We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show presented by the Yarm Chair All Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined as always with my co host, Thomas Floyd. We got a packed show for you guys today, obviously recapping the Gamecocks 49 15 season opening win over the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, also previewing the game ahead this weekend against the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, we have a special interview with our CEO and Georgia alum, Andrew Stevens. Um, but first, this is a podcast presented to you by the Armchair All-Americans. Please be sure to go check us out on armchairallamericans.com for all of your latest breaking Gamecock news and coverage. Uh, also, if you haven't done so yet, not sure what you're doing, go online, rate, subscribe, share, and download the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, the Stitcher app, really wherever you consume your media, wherever you consume your podcast. Please be sure to go check us out there. Uh, we also love hearing any feedback from you guys as well. Um, also, of course, before we get started, this is a podcast from YouTube, our friends over at MyBookie. Uh, Tom, you know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. Obviously, we're deep in the college football season, or we're getting deep into the season, getting into week two. Um, the truth is, Tom, you know, I, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think you know, you should go check out my book. Yeah, I don't, I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make my, your way to my bookie. You win and they pay. They've got in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under how many fantasy points a player will call, will score each game. So join now. Join on MyBookie.com. They're actually going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. So if you put in 100 bucks, they're going to match your deposit of 100 bucks. So now you got 200 bucks to gamble with. So it's that easy. Use the promo code SPURS, that's S-P-U-R-S, to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget, use the use the promo code SPURS when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. MyBookie, you play, you win. You get paid. All right, Tom, like I said, we're going to talk everything Gamecocks as far as the season opening win, the game ahead. Want to start with the Coastal Carolina game. South Carolina able to get the victory 49-15 to 15 over Coastal Carolina. Um, we'll jump right into it, Tom. Just kind of talk about your initial reactions to the game. Obviously, you and I were both there. Um, was an absolute scorcher. I guess that's the first thing we could yeah, say I'm about the game. Yeah, I'm very sunburned. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got way more. I think I got as much sun this past weekend as I'd gotten all summer. Um, just in this one weekend. Yep. But just talk about kind of your initial reaction to the game. I mean, South Carolina was able to come out and get a comfortable 34-point win. Um, you know, talk about kind of your feelings, what you saw on Saturday. I mean, they played well from a standpoint of, you know, 
when you look at our cupcake games in the past, we really haven't beaten anybody that well into the point of it, which we did on Saturday. And I think that when you look at our offense, I mean, it seems like every drive there wasn't, I mean, there weren't more, there weren't a bunch of plays over 20 yards, but it seems like we were just gashing coastal 10, 12 yards here and there. And Rico Dowdle, you know, he was a guy that I said in the beginning of this year, I said, he's got to have a good year for us to win because our running game has to be there. And he has had a really good game against coastal. And I think he's going to have a really good year. He looked quicker and more explosive. He liked, he was finding holes a lot especially in their um, pistol formations with the straight zone scheme, which I love to see. I think that's something we didn't see at all last year the year before that. Something I'm glad McClendon is putting in. Um, defensively, I like what I saw. I think that, you know, J.C. Horn is going to be a guy that's just going to be a stud for carrying on for three years. He's going to be gone prior to the NFL. Don't think we're, he's going to be one of those guys that comes back for a senior year unless we just, you know, clemson him and get like their defense slime and get him to come back for another year. But, I just think that they play well. Obviously, it's Coastal Carolina, and you have a real test this week against Georgia. But uh, I, it made me it made me have a better feeling about the Georgia game than I did before. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're going to dive, you know, a little bit deeper into some of the things that you just mentioned. Obviously, so I want to talk about first start off with the offense. That was the big question mark coming into the 2018 season. You know, how would the new scheme with Brian McClendon and Dan Werner kind of take shape? How would this offense look? And the offense passed their first test of 2018. The Will Muschamp era, the second most yards in the game. Um, you could really see the new scheme take effect with kind of some more hurry up than we've seen before. Um, you know, I'll say just kind of my initial reaction as well. as I really don't know how you could have scripted it to go any better for South Carolina. I mean, to me, all the boxes were checked with everything I wanted to see as far as seeing the new offense, seeing the, the new guys on defense, seeing a bunch of young guys get in. You were able to get the starters out there by the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, but there's definitely some layers to peel back on this game. Um, you know, I tweeted this during game that I think it's just kind of crazy what happens when you have a competent play call and you're able to use your playmakers around you. You know, we also saw, you know, some of the creativity just on third and short, fourth and short, where South Carolina was able to convert, even went for a fourth down on their own side of the field, which is, I think, something that nobody would ever expect a Will Muschamp team to do. But, you know, just talk about, Tom, kind of what you saw, you know, and I think it was maybe a little bit tempered, obviously, with Georgia coming up. You're not going to throw your full deck of cards out there, but Talk about just what you saw from the offense from a schematic standpoint. You know, how impressed with you were you with the play calling and, you know, really in the first game is Brian, uh, Brian McClendon, first game of Brian McClendon being the full-time OC, how impressed with the, were you with the job that he did? I mean, I thought he did really well. I think that, you know, like I said before, there were multiple drives. I think their first three touchdowns were all 70-plus yard drives. I think I saw that on Twitter today. But uh, I was really impressed. Like I said before, I really like pistol formation. I like that they're just – it's zone stretch play. and They're just kill, – they were killing Coastal with it. I think a guy that, you know, I didn't notice it last year really how good he is, but Zach Bailey killed it against Coastal. As far mm-hmm. as from the standpoint of him pulling and going for, you know, linebackers, they were a cold player. He blocked two guys. And for him to be doing that is a really good sign. I think the offense line looks really good. One thing I did notice, which I think a lot of people point out, is how Donnell Stanley was snapping the ball low sometimes. And I think it was because mm-hmm. of the speed of the ball. I think that will be addressed in the um, practice this week. I don't think that will be a problem next week. But obviously that was his first game ever playing center in a real game that mattered, not in a scrimmage or anything like that. But, uh, I mean, I liked it a lot. I think that they got the ball to all of their playmakers and shared the wealth. I think that Brian and Debo got a lot of targets. And I think that, you know, especially, you know, seeing Josh Van get to play some. That kid's a big kid. I didn't think he was that had that size on him yet. But he, I mean, you know, seeing him play really well, obviously, I just think that they're going to be a lot better this year. I, I don't know how many points they're going to average or how many yards they're going to average just because of that, how the SEC defenses are so good. But I just, I mean, it makes me have a really good feeling. This is a better offense than I've ever seen. This is probably one of the best offenses I've ever seen when it comes to the first game and how well they seem prepared for everything. 
Yeah, I mean, I told my buddy that I went to the game with this. I mean, I, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how much you take away from it with it being coastal, but I mean, that was probably the most, the most dominating game that I've seen South Carolina play in person. And the only other one was the 70 to 13 game in 2000 or 70 to 10 game, I think in 2013, where it was a lot different circumstances. I mean, it was late in the season. You knew how good South Carolina was. You knew Coastal was a good team, but you knew they were gearing up for the playoffs as well. So, I mean, for South Carolina to come out game one, I don't think I've ever seen a South Carolina team ever come out game one and look as good as they did that day. Um, you know, you already touched on a little bit, but the return of Debo and Rico um, was obviously huge for South Carolina. You know, Debo, I think he touched the ball on three of the four first plays. Um, obviously made what a huge impact. Back? That we've seen all over social media. Go ahead. So what about him at running back? That was something that I definitely didn't expect. Yeah, that was wild. Him out of the backfield. Yeah, that was wild. Him out of the backfield. That was definitely something. Obviously, we haven't seen kind of a different wrinkle and something that I'm sure they're going to, you know, Georgia's going to be thinking about this week during practice. But, um, yeah, I mean, I 100% agree with you. Rico Dowdle looked really, really good. I mean, he, he to me, separated himself on Saturday from the other running backs, which I thought he would do if he was. And Tyson, and Tyson's a good number two back. Don't like, mm-hmm. don't get you wrong there or anything like that. But I'm, I think they're both really good backs. But I think Rico's probably the better one. And I think the, you know, I don't think AJ touched the ball with twice, but with him, I know one of them he ran for 15 yards straight up. But mm-hmm. anyway, I think they're all three really good backs. But I think if Rico separates himself and becomes a bell cow, it'll be better for us. You know, no, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, that's something we talked about in the preseason. I just think kind of a guy I know is the number one guy, a guy that you can plan on giving it to on third and short, fourth and short. Especially in a game coming up, like I said, against Georgia, where you're going to need a guy at a time. Um, I, I think is a huge key. But, man, South Carolina, I mean, you know, not that they're not loaded at other positions on the offense, but definitely at running back. I mean, you've got J. Turner listed as a third option, and I'm sure there's some other teams definitely throughout the country, but maybe J. Turner would be starting for. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, a, an, an embarrassment of riches on, in regards to playmakers on the offense for sure. Uh, you know, Tom, one of the big things I was really impressed with, and, again, take it with a grain of salt, I understand it's Coastal Carolina, but I was really impressed with Jake Bentley. You know, just his poise, his accuracy, he really looked like he was really commanding the offense on Saturday, which has not always been the case. And, I mean, he didn't end the season last year on the highest of notes. I mean, I know he had a couple touchdowns in the Michigan game, led him to the win, but, I mean, we, we all remember the Florida game, the Clemson game. And I feel like even – Last year, when South Carolina won, he didn't look quite as in control and as comfortable as he looked on Saturday. I thought he looked really, really comfortable in the new offense. He just, it just looked more natural. Talk about, Tom, kind of what you saw from from uh, Jake Bentley on Saturday. I mean, he was a lot more accurate, and you could tell that just from the way he was getting the ball out of his hands quick. And I think that a big difference between this year and last year is that he's confident in himself. And I don't know if that's a Dan Werner thing or that's a – you know a Brian McClendon thing, but I feel like he was confident in himself and in the offense because he, I know it's a fresh look for him, but it's also, it's what he's best at is going fast and getting the ball out of his hands. And, and that's something they did a really good job of is just getting the ball in the hands of their playmakers. You look at that screen pass to the running back going into the, um, going into the end of the first half to Rico. I don't think you would have ever seen that last year. If we were in a Kurt Roper offense, we were up 21 to three at half with a minute left. We're taking three knees. We're taking two knees and going into the locker room. But I think that's, yep. That last drive in the first half is something that you're going to see a lot more of against Coastal. Really going really fast, getting the ball out of Jake's hands, and just getting it, getting the ball downfield as fast as you can. Yeah, no, I definitely think it shows. They, they, they're they going to be a great this season. There's no question. I mean, when you have the type of playmaker South Carolina has on offense, I feel like you have you almost have no choice but to be aggressive. Obviously, the last offensive staff didn't feel that way. Um, so, obviously, there was a change of philosophy, and you can definitely see where that's been implemented. I thought they took – 
basically get penalized. They don't take a shot. So I thought, like you're saying, the accuracy, Jake Bentley looked great on Saturday. Again, it's against Coastal Carolina. I understand that. He's gonna. There's going to be a lot more to prove this Saturday against a team like Georgia. But overall, it was just really nice to see him. I, again, I thought he really looked good out there. Um, one of the biggest standouts, the first, really the offensive line in general, but definitely, you know, I mean, I, and I was sitting there with my buddy, and, and it was just crazy to see the push that South Carolina was getting. I mean, you could just see South Carolina physically just moving the, the Coastal Carolina defensive line you know, five yards down the field. I mean, it was Rico and the rest of the running back crew were barely getting touched. So, I mean, I think a lot of credit goes that off in line. And I, th- I think it just kind of extends back from, you know, having Z- your left guard, Donnell Stanley at center, right guard, having such 300-pound-plus th- guys in the inside. I think it definitely showed its benefits on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they played really well. I think that, you know, Zach Bailey being back at guard, his natural position is where he should be at. I think that, you know, obviously, I think that you didn't hear any bad stuff about Donna at uh about Dennis Daly and Blake Camper, which is good. Usually, when you don't hear anything about your offensive lines, when you're they're doing the best because there's obviously no negative things about them to say. I think they play well, and I think that it's going to be a sign for the future and the rest of the year that they're going to have a really good year. Unless, obviously, if someone gets hurt, Malik Young is going to be your sixth guy, and I think there's a confidence there. Obviously, I don't think he's as good as Dennis Daly or. Blake Camper, but I do think that he's a well-rounded offensive lineman who can play any position on the line. Yeah, and I was impressed too to see a guy like uh, like Dylan Wanham get in there. He's he's oh, yeah. a big kid. No, Javon Quinn definitely... was a guy that I saw some videos yeah. of him. He was playing, I think, left guard or center. I can't remember, but they uh, they had an over to a Mike linebacker, which an over is like okay. There's a three technique between which is basically there's a defense tackle lineup between the guard and the center. They have a double team to the linebacker, so whichever way the linebacker shoots is do whichever. So the linebacker shoots towards the left guard, left guard takes him. If he shoots towards the center, the, guard, the center takes him. Javon Gwynn did one of the best over blocks I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know if that's exactly what they called it, but him and I think it was Hank Manos maybe playing center, but they did a great job of both getting up – or no, it was Chandler Farrell, my bad. It was Chandler Farrell and Javon Gwynn did a great job of getting up and sealing off the – the defense tackle and Javon Wood did a great job of getting the second level. I think that he's going to end up probably starting next year, if I had to guess. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see it as well. I mean, I think South Carolina's got some, you know, that was one thing they talked about in the preseason. There's a lot of talent there on the line of scrimmage. Obviously, it's unproven young talent, but those guys have got a ton of talent. You can see yeah. just from seeing them out there on the field. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think that first team offensive line undoubtedly is a really, really solid unit. If those guys can stay healthy. Uh, I think it's one of the best offensive lines South Carolina's had in a while. I think they're underrated. Over- I think yeah, no, I do too. I think it's just going to lead to that success for Rico, Tyson, AJ, and really the rest of the offense because the offensive line is going to be a big talking point going in this game Saturday against Georgia. Yeah. Um, kind of last thing with the offense, you know, it, like I said, one of the biggest things I was happy about, a lot of youngsters played. I was maybe a little disappointed we didn't get to see Jay Urich or to carry on Joyner, you know, being up so much, but it was great to see Skarnecki out there get his first touchdown pass. Randricus Davis, a guy who's battled so much adversity, Got his first touchdown catch. And the last thing I'll say, Tom, is the new pistol formation. Like you said, that was something kind of maybe I didn't think so much about in game, you know, because you're more so just kind of watching the game, sort of analyzing. But I will say I agree with you. I do love the new pistol formation. Just the run plays themselves just seem so much more crisp. Everything about that just seems so much more natural, so much more crisp. And I I mean, I think it obviously paid off. You saw the numbers on the ground. Um, So, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think overall, Tom, you you got to be very, 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 very happy as a Gamecocks fan, in my opinion, for what the offense did on Saturday against Coastal, and especially moving on to the rest of the season. Because 
this is a point I'm going to get to a little later in the show, but if nothing else, even obviously South Carolina is probably not going to score 49 points per game. They're probably not going to score that many every single game, but at least South Carolina kind of knows who it is and what it wants to do on offense 2018, which I think is, which I think is more than we could even say for the past two years under Will Muschamp. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think they're going to be really good this year. I think that, you know, when you look at, I just think that, Brian McClendon is going to be in a better play caller than Kurt Ripper. And that's not to sit there and shame Kurt Ripper because I do think he was a he's, – he's an okay offensive coach. But I think that Brian's better, and I think he's going to be one of the young names that in three or four years, if he's still at South Carolina, that's going to be in the contention for a head coaching job somewhere. I think that him and T-Rod both are probably two of the mm-hmm. best coordinators in the SEC. Yeah, and I just think in big-time college football as well, you just brought up I – mean, I just think you have to be – I, you've got to be aggressive as a play caller nowadays. You can't just sit yeah. on your heels and kind of hope for things to happen. I just thought we saw a lot more of that Saturday, and I think we'll see a lot more of that as we go forward. Um, I want to talk about the defense, obviously. Move to the defensive side of the ball. This one's really interesting to me, Tom, because, you know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong here. Does it feel like everyone's overreacting to what they saw from the run defense Saturday? Am I not giving enough credit to what Coastal Carolina did against South Carolina? They ran for 130 yards. I mean, I I came into that game, kind of my expectations were, you know, Coastal's going to get their yardage a little bit here and there. You're probably not going to shut them out. But, I mean, overall, I didn't come away from that game feeling, oh, my goodness, South Carolina's going to get gashed against Georgia. They can't stop anybody on the ground. I thought of it more so as, okay, you're playing sort of a – Coastal, I'll say this, did a lot more option, a lot more spread yeah, out option. They were, I thought they were. Like I didn't, a, it was a weird – it was weird where they were running. I didn't but. think they were, like, nearly that much of an option team, and honestly – I felt kind of bad for their quarterback on Saturday because he took an absolute beating all day right. long. One time, do you remember that play where they ran the option and Bryson Allen Williams just went straight for the running back and he yeah. mm-hmm. the quarterback did fake him out, but he mm-hmm. up murked that running back one time. Like I, no, I know I'm that was on our side of the field. I remember exactly which play you're talking about. So I the thing I was just gonna say that I don't know that South Carolina was that prepared for that offense. I mean I don't think they were heck either. I didn't I didn't know that they were gonna run like like I said, like more of an option type deal. But Tom, you know, just kind of your opinion, your take. Am I not giving enough credit to you think there's a serious concern there? for the run defense, or what What did you see overall from the South Carolina defense? I don't think there's a reason to be really concerned much at all. I think that you're not going to play a similar – they're not – they're going to be playing a pro style, a pro spread style offense next week and not anything similar to straight up spread formation. We're getting five receivers sometimes, and we're going to option it out. It just – it, that was a weird offense. I don't think that's something that you're going to see again the rest of the year, probably, if I had to guess. I just think that they're going to be they're going to be a lot more prepared, and there's a lot more film to be prepared for for Georgia than there is Coastal Carolina. And I think that from a you know just a taking it a taking it serious standpoint, I think that the players are going to take this game a lot more. And I don't care what anybody says. Nothing, no other game that's ever been played matters except the one that's about to come up. And I think that you can prepare as much as you want to, but there's obviously you know, that Georgia's going to have some wrinkles they're going to throw out at you. But I think that South Carolina's going to be prepared for their offense, more prepared. They're going to be more prepared and going to take it a more serious approach to it than they will Coastal Carolina. I just think it's because they know it's Georgia and how good Georgia is and how much they're going to have to prepare for that game. Right. No, you get it. That's what I'm saying. It's just It felt like a lot of people, especially on social media and others that I've talked to, were really – kind of just down and out about the South Carolina run defense. I'm like, did we watch the same game? Because, I mean, yeah, I, I, like I said, I understand Coastal got their yards. They ran for 130, but they only had 230 as a team. It's not like they gashed South Carolina offensively. And, I mean, yeah. Coastal, I mean, 
really, Coastal wouldn't have scored at all if not for some really, really kind of just self-inflicted dumb penalties I mean, and if you keep your starters in. So, I mean, let's not make it out to be like Coastal Carolina was just gashing South Carolina up and down the field. I mean, it was just nothing of the sort. I mean, if you think about it, dude, like 200 yards of offense in any game is not that much anymore in college football. pretty bad. Yeah, like that's and, – and I think that something last year was that South Carolina's defense was bending on break. Even when we played, you know – Worst teams, we were bending some, but we were, you know, getting to the 30 or 40 and clinching down and making teams get field goals. And I think that's you saw a little bit of that Saturday, but I think there was more of a they can get to the quarterback and stop people than they in most teams usually. Most teams in South Carolina history or in the last two years, you think about it that way because they have players, they have dudes on the defense side of the ball. But I just think that I think it's, I guess you could say it's concerning at some point because they did, there were sometimes there were lanes that they are open for uh, Coastal Carolina run, but. I just think it's going to be a different game Saturday. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're going to dive on that, into all that in just a second. But sticking with Coastal Carolina, I mean, you mentioned, obviously, a guy, huge plus to have back was Bryson Allen Williams, another guy that returned along with Debo and Rico, just made a huge impact. You can just tell that you can tell the difference on the field when Bryson Allen Williams is out there. I mean, he's a leader. He's a guy that has a ton of experience. Obviously, he's got a ton of upside. And I think a guy that is prime for a huge year, in my opinion. But it was great to have him back. Um, you know, Javon Kinlaw, I thought had a really good game. And that's something you're going to talk about a little bit in a little bit, Tom, but you know, Kinlaw made some plays that it's crazy how quick he can move, just how big he is and how yeah. quickly he gets off the ball and how quickly he can move. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say South Carolina only with one forced turnover in the first game. And that one was kind of a gift, kind of a, a fumble on a pitch that Rosendo Lewis was able to, to recover, um, Talk about Tom. Is that something you're really concerned about? As far as you know, South Carolina obviously obviously preaches get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. Um, and I'll say they still did win. That you know, obviously they're plus one in turnovers because South Carolina didn't turn the ball over at all in offense, which I thought was, you know, really a true testament to how much better the offense had gotten. I mean, I think if nothing else, that speaks volumes in my opinion. Um, but talk about going into week two. Is that something you're even thinking about? Concerned about at all? Uh, lack of turnovers or? I mean, did we win the game? <laughs> like, I mean, obviously, you I'm just curious. Turn, you want the ball turnover more, but when you're forcing punts every drive, almost, what do you? What else do you want? Because yeah. Coastal didn't throw the ball that much, so you can't expect to have interceptions that often. And obviously, you know they ran the ball a lot when they ran it. What well, get me wrong? So I don't think that there. I don't think there were that many opportunities compared as much to that where there will be when we go to play say, a Vandy or a Kentucky or teams like that. I just don't think there were that many opportunities for turnovers. So, but we, we won by 30. Like, obviously, next week when the game is more competitive and it's going to be more intense, I think the turnovers is going to be a big difference. They're going to be a big, like, boost in the game. I think that they'll mean more next week if they happen, regardless of what side it's on. I, I agree with you. I'm just curious to get kind of your opinion. I'm not, not something I'm too concerned with. You just – nah. Into a, I, I'm coastal expecting to get two or three, but I agree with you in the sense that Coastal Carolina didn't necessarily put the ball in harm's way because they didn't really have anybody to put. And they weren't they weren't exactly a team that was trying to take shots down the field, and, and they were much more a screen, you know, slant route, spread off or spread option type team, which was yeah, just very interesting. One guy that definitely stood out, Tom Gamecocks had one sack on the day Saturday, J.C. Horn you know, making a really big impact in his first game, had a couple of batted balls, played some really good coverage, had the sack off the edge. Um, you know, and like you said earlier, I, I definitely agree with you. He's a guy that's going to be a three years and gone type guy. I mean, rave reviews all in the preseason. Talk about just how much fun it was to finally see J.C. Horn in the Garnet and Black. And 
the kind of impact, you know, that he made on Saturday. I mean, he's a freak athletically. I think that you don't see many corners that can hit an inside move on a tackle and get to the quarterback. And he almost caused a fumble on that play. He went to chop that guy's arm, and he luckily the Coastal Carolina quarterback pulled it down. But I think that, you know, his coverage skills are really well. I think that he'll end up probably being a starting outside corner next year. If he doesn't push for one this year and they move Keyson Nixon into nickel, I think that, you know, either way you look at it, I'm, I'd be pleasantly – I'd be, you know, pretty happy with having, you know, J.C. on the outside or inside. It doesn't really matter because the kid makes plays, and I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to – I don't know if he's going to be Stephon Gilmore, but he'll be one of the better DBs to play at South Carolina. Yeah, and I think one of the big things I saw on Saturday, too, that kind of most impressed me is obviously, like you said, the kid's got athleticism. Um, but the thing that impressed me, the moxie he plays with, you know, you, you can tell he's kind of he's the son of Joe Horn, right? Like we all yeah. remember Joe Horn playing, how flashy he was as a receiver in the NFL. But you can tell that J.C. Horn has that football background. He has that confidence. He has that moxie. And I think that's one of the things that makes him so good because to play cornerback at a high level at a D, you know big time D1 school, and to be, you know, top of the line at it, you've got to have a sense of not so much arrogance, but you know, just so much confidence that you don't think anybody can beat you. And He's that's Rashad I mean. Fenton in him. Yeah, yeah, that's – I mean, yeah, exactly. Rashad Fenton, mate, is better because of his confidence. And you can see his swagger on the field. And, and I thought, I think, again, Rashad Fenton was a guy at a good game on Saturday too. And I think that he has a little bit of DJ Swearinger in him. I don't think he's going to be as – aggressive per se, but I think that he's the type of – who I think he'll grow into the type of leader that DJ was. Yeah, no, I, I could definitely see it. But, yeah, I think the Gamecocks have definitely got a good one with J.C. Horn, and um, I expect him to make a really, really big impact, you know, not just this season, but the next three – probably three to four seasons in Columbia as yeah. well. Um, again, the other thing I mentioned in the beginning, it was awesome to see a ton of young guys play, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, we saw guys from Rosendo Lewis – uh, Josh Belt, J.J. Anabare, Rick Sandage, uh, some others as well. You know, just talk about, Tom, were there any young guys specifically that stuck out to you that they did on Saturday? Uh, I think Ernest Jones was a guy that I'm pretty sure that's his name. I'm a thousand percent positive, actually. He's a linebacker right? that we just recruited. We uh, got in yep. this recent class. He played really well. I think he's like 6'2", 220-something. That's great size for a linebacker straight out of high school. I think that he's going to be a guy that will probably end up, you know, get some playing time probably towards the end of the year and be close to a, a rotational player or even a starter next year. But especially when Bryson leaves, I think that he'll have a chance to step up there. But I think that he'll end up being a really good player for us. He's got just stuck out to me athletically, just the way he moves with the ball. Him and Rosendo Lewis and Demonte Staley, he had a good game too, a guy that, you know, probably more reserved this year, but I think that guy that can be a good player for us in the year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, but yeah, I, I thought with the new redshirt rule, it was great to see some guys like Josh Bell, especially on the D line. Josh Bell getting Barre Sandys get out there, uh, no, especially seeing, yeah, seeing Josh Bell for the first time actually on the field in pads. It was, I mean, that dude's man. He's a stomp, bro. I told, I told people when I went to Fan Day a couple, you know, about a month ago or so. I mean, he he's a massive human being, so it did not disappoint. And you know, he's the kind of guy. You know, it depends on how ready he is to go. I know he's not really in game shape yet, but. Man, if you could just have him play about 10 to 15 snaps for you this coming Saturday against the Georgia team that you know is going to try to establish the run, he's a guy that can make a huge impact for you and kind of be a game changer, if you will. But um, kind of lastly, wrapping up the defense, you know, DJ Wanham, obviously, a big scary moment Saturday. Ooh, yeah. DJ Wanham goes down, rolled on his ankle. I know, Tom, you texted me as soon as it happened. I can't exactly repeat what the text message said, but, you know, thinking like, oh, God, no. Um, after kind of, Reevaluating fine Wednesday. Will Muschamp on his Tuesday press or today actually reconfirmed boot. 
Will Muschamp feels very optimistic. He's going to practice tomorrow. He should be ready to go Saturday, which is fantastic news. I, you know, I, my buddy of mine sitting next to me, he was like, yeah, he'll probably be out three to four weeks. And I was like, oh, God, no, not against Georgia. But, yeah, so Muschamp is very uh, very optimistic that Wanham will be ready. Um, and like you said, I mean, he looked unstoppable. I mean, he's he looked like the billing of an all-SEC type guy. Uh, you know, it is – you know, when, when when Coastal did decide to run his way, there was really nothing they could do. I mean, he was all over the field. Tom, just talk about what you saw from D.J. Wanham before the injury on Saturday. I mean, like you said, Coastal didn't run against him much because they knew what would happen if they did. Obviously, he didn't play as much buck as I thought he would, and I guess that's because of the return to Bryce, and he's, more, he's playing more of the traditional 3-4 defensive end role. But he played well. I think that he's going to be a guy who, who if he isn't first team all SEC, the only reason it would be is because that he just had that. He's not going to be 100 percent because of his ankle injury. If I think they give him, a, I think if next if he takes next week off against Marshall to steal up, I'm fine with that because I th- you want him for the more important games down the road. But he's just a he's just a guy who's just a freak to me. I think that he's someone someone that South Carolina found found that's a diamond in the rough that. Not many people probably expected to be as good as he is going to be now, but him and his brother both are going to be tremendous assets of South Carolina. I think that, especially just the way he plays, he's such an aggressive player and a hype guy, the guy that's going to get up when he makes the play. But I'm just, I'm glad we have him, man. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he, he's definitely been a diamond in the rough. And again, he just lived up to his billing on Saturday to me. He looked like an all SEC kind of guy. He just, he, he, you could see he's just different than everybody else. Yeah. Um. So I'm glad he's wearing the garnet and black as well. Um, sort of wrapping up overall, just want to touch on special teams a little bit. The one thing I'll say, Tom, I was really glad to see, you know, South Carolina obviously having that aggressive nature. I, I think it's definitely – you can definitely tell that South Carolina is not going to put Parker White in nearly as many, you know, tough field goal chances. I mean, there was an opportunity there where Parker White could have kicked, I think, a 48-yard field goal and South Carolina opted to go for it. They got it, obviously, which, again, a lot of fans are very happy about. You know, let's be aggressive. Let's try to go for it. Let's get the first down. You know, especially after last year, all the field goal troubles. The only thing to play devil's advocate that I thought Saturday is, wouldn't you rather Parker White try to kick a field goal in the Coastal Carolina game to just try to make one and get your confidence? Because the, to me, the last thing I want to see happen is Parker White be put on the line in the Georgia game, having to kick a field goal with, you know, in a clutch situation where you needed to take the lead or tie the game and the kid hasn't kicked the field goal all year. Is there any... Any justification of my thought process? Uh, I mean, I don't really think that he needed to go kick a field goal against them. He's kicked in very high environments. He obviously kicked a game winner against Louisiana Tech last year. I don't think that's really a problem. I think that you probably do want to establish a little bit of confidence, but I think there wants to be people want more of a confidence in the offense because right. if you know you get on the other side of the field and it's fourth and two at your own forty-five, wouldn't you rather go for it there on the offense to see them, you know? get that fourth and two and get that extra push like that fullback down with Rico. That was a crazy thing I've ever seen. That yeah, I love that formation. Like, love that formation. Anyway, there. I just think that it's more important to have confidence in your offense than your kicker at this point in the season. Yeah, no, I and I see that side of it as well. And, I, you know, I, I'll tell you this. It, it definitely even be worse as well if you put Barker out there and he misses it. Yes, yeah, that's just then it's killer. like, well, his confidence, his confidence is shot. So it, there's no point in even throwing him out there against Georgia anyways. Um, but yeah, and that fourth and two, you're talking about, I love that formation, the I formation with Rico with what's on at running back. You've got Casey Crosby tight end. I mean, you have so many options yeah. out of that formation. Absolutely loved that. But, um, just kind of wrapping up special teams a little bit. I mean, I thought Brian Edwards, you know, Tom overall had a good day, not really much yeah. to talk about, which is definitely a good thing in the punt return. He's a guy who's going to be what we talked about before the season started, just a sure-handed option, a guy that's going to go back there. And again, he's probably not going to be as flashy or big play potential of maybe like a, Josh Van, 
Dai Smith, Jamias Williams, if you will, but he's going to be a guy. I don't think he's going to drop one all season. Not going nah, to. Um, yeah. Finally, with special teams, it was very interesting to see just how Coastal kind of attacked Debo Samuel. <laughs> you know, I, I I'm sure I was one of many that had my phone out on the opening kickoff just in case Debo decided to take a take another one deep like he did a year ago. But um, a lot of squib kicks. You know, I, I thought it was crazy even on the one of the squib kicks. I believe. It was, kind of squirt out, get around the 35, 40-yard line, sort of make it interesting. But, you know, I think that's something we're going to see a lot this season is just, you know, either teams trying to kick it through the end zone or teams kicking it away from Debo Samuel. I, I just can't see them giving him an opportunity to, to make a play in the special teams game. Yeah, I don't think many people are going to kick to him, to be honest. Like, why would you even put yourself in that situation? Because you just know if you do yeah. the next week on film, <laughs> you're just going to be like, well, why do we do this? No, yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, so, I, I'm just moving into, Tom, your biggest takeaway from Saturday was what? Uh, Javon Kinlaw really is going to be probably going after this year and be a first-round pick. I don't think there's any way he's not going to be. The guy's massive. He obviously did a great job of moving. He moved people a lot of times against Coastal. He was just moving their offensive line around. When they got in space sometimes, he made plays. I just – and he's, he's – He's obviously a huge defense tackle, but the guy can move so well and seems such like an athletic person that it's, I think he's going to be a guy that just makes plays the rest of the year and is going to make plays at the next level. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get an interception this year. No, just that would be – that's my one prediction. That he'll get one <laughs> pick this year somehow. Just dropping back in coverage, let him play like a quarterback spy I mean, type I mean, deal. you know, like the Green Bay Packers <laughs> used to do it with them. Um, I can't think of the yeah. guy's name. One of their, their former defense tackles, they used to just drop him back in coverage sometimes. I doubt yeah. – that's ever going to happen, but as far as him just swatting the ball in the air and the defense slam do it and him getting the pick, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that. Yeah, no, he's an absolute freak for sure. I think Javon Kinlaw is going to establish himself. Uh, SE, the SEC teams that play out who he is really quickly. Take away from Saturday, though, you know, kind of what I talked about earlier, my Carolina has finally found an, found an offensive identity. You know, this is something they've obviously struggled with. First two years under Will Muschamp and Kurt Roper, you know, you bring in McClendon, Dan, Prince, all is not going to look as good as they did on Saturday at single game. They may struggle. Who knows? There probably will be a game or two where they do struggle this year, and you may have to win a game. If nothing else, South Carolina finally knew and who they want to be, and I think they're going to come into every single football game with a game plan, and I think they're going to stick with it again. You know, there's a lot to be determined. There's a lot to be seen because what do you do when the first time you hit adversity, right? Do you stick to the game plan? But I really truthfully believe that South Carolina has finally found that offensive identity, and I think they know what they want to do, and they at least look, look like they have a game plan. When it looked like too many times they're really going on, and if they game with a game plan and it didn't work, they completely abandoned it and was kind of just, you know, make it up as you – go from there so that was something i was really really happy to see um we're going to give out balls i'm going to start with uh mine on offense tom going running back rico dowdle had a fantastic game his first game back um or really not his first game back just the injury like we said he looked a lot a lot more explosive at 55 yards for a touchdown also had a two overall touchdowns in the day it was just an absolute force on offense and then my defensive game of the uh, defensive game ball is cornerback J.C. Horn. Like I said, played with swag, played did not like a freshman, played with a lot of moxie, had the big sack in his first game. A guy that again is going to make a lot of plays for South Carolina over the coming years. So my game ball on defense, J.C. Horn. Tom, who are your game balls going to? Uh, on offense, I'm going to go Jake Vinley. Obviously, he played well. I think that 
if South Carolina is going to be an SEC East champ or an SEC champion, I think that he's going to have to have a great year for us. He was 22 of 29 for about 250 yards and four touchdowns. He played like he did as a freshman. You know, he let the ball go sometimes. He, you know, when he's when he's making plays on the run like he did with that Keel Pod touchdown is when he's playing his best. I think that, you know, his QBR was only a 75, which kind of blew my mind. But his QBR last year, his average was a 65. So, obviously, he's improving some. But – I think that he played really well when the, on the defense side of the ball. It's going to be fifth-year senior Bryce Nye Williams. I think that he's going to be a guy who's going to be big for us this year. He has to stay healthy because if he goes down, it's going to be a pretty long year on defense, I think. But just a guy that you can tell his leadership's there. He plays like an animal. He gets to the backfield. You know, he slung that quarterback from Coastal down by his helmet. We didn't grab him by his face, man. <laughs> but just a guy that I think just makes plays for us. He's always in the right place at the right time. I think that he's going to have a really big year, too. Yeah, 100% agree. And just kind of go back. He Jake is definitely best when he's just playing the game kind of naturally, like he's playing backyard football. I mean, that, yeah. that play to Keel Pollard was – that was just something you draw it up in the dirt, you make a play on the run, and he did it. I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. And, you know, it, it just looked like Jake Bentley didn't have 100 things going on through his mind at once, like he just went out there and played football, which was absolutely fantastic to see. So two good, two good picks there. Now – Moving into the upcoming tag at hand, Tom, it is Georgia week. One of my favorite weeks of the entire year. Um, the first thing I think I should probably say to preface everything is to hell with Georgia, but yeah. it is Georgia week. Um, the Gamecocks face the Bulldogs, 3.30 CBS uh, in Williams-Rice Stadium. The Georgia Bulldogs came, come in as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite right now in Vegas. Um, Over-under is set at 52. Overall, the series history, Georgia leads at 50-18-2. Last time they met, Georgia beat South Carolina. 24 to 10 in Athens in 2018. Two things I did not write down, though, Tom. I will tell you this: the South Carolina Gamecocks uh, are ranked in the AP Top 25 and the coaches poll. They're ranked 24th this week, so say it will be a Top 25 matchup in Columbia, Woo! South Carolina. Um, South Carolina and Georgia have faced nine times when both teams were ranked. South Carolina has won six of those nine meetings, and the Georgia Bulldogs have never beaten a rank in Williams Rice Stadium. Um, so, you know, if you're into if you're big time into stats, I'm sure you'll get that. If not, two very thought there as well. Teams are both ranked and met. Many of you remember was the 2014 Georgia South Carolina game where South Carolina was able to pull away. Marshall Morgan misses a late field goal, and the Gamecocks get the W and Williams Rice. Um, Georgia on the year this season obviously lost to Alabama in the national title game. LOL. Uh, <laughs> beat beat Austin PA 45 nothing last week. Ranked number three in the AP poll right now. Um, head coach coached by Chris Smart. Uh, again, the national title of season go expectations. And again, Tom, this is again hype. No talk about in the preseason. Obviously, you know coaches and players like and you know see a lot of you know a big comment from Will Muschamp today that I bring that really just exemplified to me. That, you know, these coaching staffs, these teams, you know, they said all the right things in the offseason. But listen, they they understand how big of a game this is. The quote's right here. This is from Will Muschamp's presser today. He said, quote, this game has been game planned for the, this game has been game planned for, from this summer. We're just kind of brushing up the game plan this week, and I'm sure they're doing the same. To me, Tom, it's just simply a translation that despite all the coach speak, it's not lost in anybody in this organization how big this football game is. I mean, you know, and I'm not sure. Maybe that is something that just every coaching staff does. They they sort of put in pieces of game plans for games, especially early in the season. But to me, 
that that to me is telling me that they all know how big of a game this is. Tom, again, the game's finally here. How important do you think? Because there's been some people that said this is the most important game on South Carolina's schedule. How important do you really think now with the stage set that this game is to South Carolina's overall season in 2018? I mean, if you look at it, it obviously, if they win, it's going to be South Carolina is going to have to drop the ball big time to lose the East. I think that if Will Muschamp comes in in three years and basically accomplishes what Steve Spurrier did in three in 10 years, it's going to be huge. I think that, you know, obviously Spurrier only won one SEC title, and I think that Muschamp has the potential to win a couple of them. I think this year is going to be the year to do it. Next year, you have to play Alabama at home. I think that Alabama is always tough. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they're at the talent level right now to be Alabama, but I think that if you're going to win it, this year's the year to do it. Especially when you have Debo Samuel's prize last year here. You got Price Now Williams. You got Javon Kinlaw. You have the athletes to go and beat Georgia and win the East. And I think if you can't put it together this year, then it's just going to be a long. It's just going to be hard to, you know. It's going to be a hard year if you can't beat Georgia, especially when you have them at home and you know it's going to be a great environment. If you especially, you know, and there's always that, you know, that thing that Muschamp can't win big games. I think that he has to prove people that he can. And I think that, you know, especially Jake Milley, too, has that thing on him that he can't win big games either. He's like, he's like one in four, I think, one in, yeah, he's like one in three or one, he's one in four or one in five against Florida, Georgia, and Clemson, I think. But I just think that, he has to play big for us this week. I, it's it's a big game. There's no way you can't think it is. Yeah, no, absolutely, 100%. Now, you know, I'll ask you this, Tom. This isn't even something I had written here, but it, it, maybe it's just me thinking this, but it seems like to me there was a, there's, there was a lot of – and I'm not saying there's not still a lot of confidence, but it seemed like to me there was, North Carolina was going to pull off this upset, and now we get to the week of the game. I feel like I'm not hearing that quite as much anymore. Do you think people are kind of – kind of backing off their predictions, maybe backing off how confident they were about South Carolina realistically beating Georgia? Or do you think that's something I'm just just making in my head and seeing in the social media atmosphere? Because to me, like I said, it just seems like a lot of people are giving Georgia a lot more credit than they were a couple of weeks ago. And in my opinion, I'm not sure what's changed. I mean, I think a lot of people were waiting to see how Georgia played against Austin PA or whatever their week one cold cake was like ours was coastal. But I think that, I mean, I predicted we lose to them. I just don't think we're quite as talented as they are, but you know, uh, maybe there's not as much confidence, you know, because you get closer to the week, you know, you have more chance to get roasted if you say something stupid. But I just think that I don't think it, I don't think it matters our confidence in them. I think it just all depends on how they go out and play. No, absolutely. And keep your predictions. We're going to get those just a little bit. But uh, moving into, you know, Tom, obviously, again, what people have been talking about a lot this week is that people feel like South Carolina showed maybe some signs of vulnerability in the run game against Coastal Carolina. Obviously, Georgia comes in this game with a really talented offensive line. They've got a deep backfield, as always, with DeAndre Swift, uh, the Holyfield kid behind him as well. You know, they lose Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle from a year ago, but Georgia's always going to have talent in that backfield. Um, talk about, you know, do you think that the Gamecocks can match up against Georgia's talented offensive line? What are they going to have to do on Saturday to, I don't know about even stop the Georgia running game, but at least limit them to where the Georgia running game doesn't take this ball game over? I mean, I think DJ one is going to be a big difference maker if he's plays and if he's, you know, if he's 90% or 80%, that'll be huge for us. But I think that Javon Kinlaw is going to have a lot to say. I think having Josh Belk is going to be a big thing because, you know, he's just a guy that's going to be a stump for us, especially in goal line packages. And I think he can. He's going to be play, play more of a role this week than he did last week. But you know, seeing you know guys like MJ Webb and Kobe Smith playing last week gave me some more confidence in our depth of defense line. But I feel confident. I think that they lost Isaiah Wynn, who was one of the, probably the better you know 
offensive lineman in the SEC last year, you know, went 23rd to the Patriots. But I just think that – I think it's going to be a really fun game to watch if you're an O-line or D-line guy. I think if you're a big – you're a big trench guy, you're going to have a fun game. Yeah, no, I, I think this is a game for – if there's anybody that has not watched a South Carolina-Georgia game before, it's going to be physical. I mean, the yeah. game's going to be decided, in my opinion, on the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, that, That's going to be – it's going to be a big testament to it. I mean, it may not tell the entire story, but – if, can you run the football? Can you stop the run? I mean, that, that's really what SEC football football boils down to, and especially in this game, what it's going to kind of boil, boil down to as well. Uh, I, I think well, I'll tell you this though, Tom. Against South, you know, with South Carolina, I think against Georgia, they're going to be a lot more geared against the run. I don't think, yeah, because when I was watching South Carolina against Coastal, it didn't like to me they were geared for the run. It was kind of like, okay, let's kind of wait and see. Is it pass? Is it run? With Georgia, you know, they're going to try to establish the run. I mean, granted, you know. I'm going to be kind of interested to see because I think Georgia might try to play a little reverse – well, I guess reverse psychology, whatever you want to call it. I think Georgia might actually try to come out early and throw the football, kind of catch South Carolina off guard because I think they are going to be so focused on the run. So I think it's going to be interesting to see sort of how Georgia – how they play that. But with Georgia, if you stop the run, you're going to give yourself the best chance to win, no doubt. Um, You know, again, South Carolina played close with with Georgia a year ago in Athens, 24-10. to Game was a lot closer than the score, you know. The score left out there. I mean, it was 7-7 at halftime, I think 14-7 going to the fourth quarter. You know, and that was without guys Debo, Bryson Allen Williams, Casey Crosby, et cetera. You know, Tom, how much – how big of an impact do you think it is? You know, and I think it's kind of a silly question to ask, especially guys like Debo, Bryson Allen Williams, et cetera. But how big of an impact is it to have those guys back on Saturday? And I mean, you know, how do you see them playing as far as on Saturday? And what, what type of impact do you think they'll make? I mean, it's huge. They're playmakers. And obviously, when you have a guy like Debo Samuel, he's going to make a difference because it gives you – because obviously all Georgia had to do last year was just stack the box and make Jay Billy beat you. Beat you. And he couldn't because he didn't have – not because he didn't have Debo per se, but he just he couldn't step up in big games. He had two picks last year against Georgia. I just don't think that last year he was really prepared to be that guy. But I just think that he – that Jake has to play well. And he has – it's not that he has to beat Georgia per se – but I think that he's going to have a lot to do with whether or not we win that ball game. Because if you look at the end of the day, and I think that, you know, even if Jake had – and if Jake blows up in this game and goes for, you know, 300 yards maybe and four touchdowns again like he did like last week, that that puts him in Heisman contention. And that would be crazy to see, but, I, you know, early prediction there. But I just think that he has to have a big game for us to beat them. There's no doubt about it. And not that he wasn't there last year, but I think that Bryson has to have a big game, so does Debo. And I think that I just – both of them, obviously, it's stupid. It's like – Stupidly, obviously, say that Debo is going to do a game to beat them. But if he's if he's a guy that's going to get limited and it, or get taken out of the game, then it's going to be a rough day for us. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see both sides of it, though. I think Debo is the kind of guy where I mean, it's sort of pick your poison with the South Carolina offense. I, yeah. I mean, I think Debo is going to get his. Let me just put it that way. I, I think even if he doesn't have the biggest game, he's if nothing else going to take so much attention from that Georgia defense that it's going to open up other guys like it's Brian like, Edwards or Trey Smith, Shy Smith. I mean, your tight ends as well. I mean, like I said, I agree that Debo's the kind of guy you need to almost force the issue and get the balls in his hands because he's such an explosive playmaker. But I'm intrigued to see how Georgia's going to handle that because, like I said, it's sort of pick your poison. You want to double up Debo Samuel? Okay, we've got other guys that are very, very capable. And, you know, again, a guy like Brian Edwards, who's maybe the, he, may, he may be the most underrated receiver in the SEC and maybe one of the most yeah. underrated in the country. So, how they how they attack because then again if you want to leave Debo one on one well you know what you're getting yourself into at that point so yeah. yes. uh, I think that's going to be really really interesting but I think it's probably going to come back to 
you know, one of the big things, can South Carolina establish any sort of running game? Because if they can, it's almost going to make their stuff. I think it's almost going to make their offense unstoppable. Um, you know, this is a big thing, Tom, I talked about in the preseason. You know, we, we've we've talked about it over and over again. South Carolina just struggled to play well in the big games last year. I mean, they genuinely struggled. And that's actually something that was funny. They talked about today at, uh, you know, their weekly pressers. You know, I, I think it was uh, Jacob August was talking about how, you know, they, they felt like they got up. They got themselves up for games when they, they they didn't treat every single game the same per se. You know, they thought they really kind of got up for Kentucky and Clemson and Georgia and, you know, those big time games and they sort of exerted themselves by the middle of the first quarter and just didn't prepare the right way. Didn't come into the game with the right mentality. They say they've corrected all those issues. They fixed all the fixed all those issues. But, you know, Tom, I think one of the biggest questions, at least for me, is concerned is South Carolina, will South Carolina be more equipped? to handle the big moment on Saturday because this is as big as it gets having Georgia come to your place. Like you said, the SEC East is on the line. We've heard it over and over again in the offseason. You win this game, you have a virtual two-game lead in the SEC East. It take a, you know, you can stub your toe once and you're still going to Atlanta. I mean, it, it's a huge game. The nation will be watching. You know, if you if you had to guess right now, Tom, I mean, how do you think do you think South Carolina is going to be more equipped to handle that big moment on Saturday against the Georgia Bulldogs? I mean, you look at last year and you know that they were a really young team. I think the losing Debo and Bryson, two of your big leaders, hurts you because you don't have that experience backing you up. You don't have that confidence behind you all the time saying, hey, guys, we're down right now. We can come back. There's no question there. And I think that, obviously, Jake's a year older. I think that he – I think he's more confident than he, than he was last year, and you can really tell that in the way he played against Coastal. And I think that if he comes out and gets, gets going early, you know, throws a touchdown maybe in the first quarter, I think that's going to be huge for him. I think that he'll have a big game if that happens. But I think, you know, if he throws a pick early like against Clemson he did last year – that automatically the game just going to go down the drain. I don't think that Georgia can dominate us like Clemson did last year at home, but I think it'll be a different ball game if Jake can get going and get going early and prove to people that he can play in big games and play well. Yeah, and that, that's just kind of funneling me, Tom, into my next point as far as for Jake Bentley. This is a huge statement game for Jake Bentley. Um, you know, a, a team really goes as its quarterback goes and as its head coach goes. You know, a team, they say, reflects the – the attitude of their head coach. And I think they also reflect the offense, at least the whole team probably reflects the attitude of the quarterback as well. And, you know, we talked about this last year, you know, Jake Bentley's got to be better in big games. I mean, there's, we're not yeah. the only people that have said that before. And Jake Bentley has to be more composed. He's got to be a better leader of men. Um, and, and again, I think this is going to be a very interesting test for him. Is he taking that next step? Has he matured? Has he grown up? Will he be able to, you know, lead this football team. Even again, if something does go wrong, goes awry early on in the football game, will he, how will he bounce back? How will this team bounce back? I think it's just going to say a lot in that regard because we talked about, you know, Tom, what do we kind of, what do we want to see from the Georgia game, right? You know, win, lose, or draw. What do we want to see? That to me is going to be one of the biggest things. If you see a South Carolina team that goes out there and gets down early and just folds like a wet blanket like they did a year ago or comes out really fast and they can't finish the game. That's going to tell a lot about the character and kind of where this team is currently. So, you know, I'm just really intrigued again to see, you know, because to me, Tom, this is a huge statement game for Jake Bentley. I mean, he's been labeled as kind of having an Aaron Murrayism type syndrome to him where he just cannot seem to win the big game. And even even the big games at South Carolina's won, he hasn't played all that particularly well, except for Tennessee his freshman year. And I mean, look where Tennessee is right now. So, yeah. I mean, you know, this is a huge statement game, in my opinion. Like you, like you were saying, I mean, it sounds crazy to say right now, but if Jake Bentley goes out there Saturday, throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns, I mean, I think on next week's show, we're seriously talking to him about a guy that maybe is a, you know, 
a Heisman dark horse if South Carolina could run the table. But, you know, talk about, Tom, how big – you know, we'll, let's just let's just kind of generalize it. Jake Bentley's legacy as one of the South Carolina quarterbacks, because we've talked before. He's coming up on some numbers. If he stays for a senior year, he could become hypothetically the winningest quarterback in South Carolina history, which is just crazy to think of. Talk about what do you think a game like this under the lights again against a team like Georgia is going to do for his legacy? I mean, I think at the end of the day, he's is he going to be Phil Petty or is he going to be Connor Shaw? I mean, Phil Petty was a really good quarterback under Lou Holtz, and I think that. He was a good QB, but he wasn't great. And I think that, you know, there's another comparison, obviously. Are you Aaron Murray or are you Connor Shaw? Can you play well against poor competition and, you know, get beat up by bigger teams, or can you show up in the big game and play well? Because I don't think we'll ever see a Jake Bentley moment like we did with Connor Shaw against Missouri. But I just think that Jake has to – he has to show up eventually. Maybe – I don't know if it's going to be against Georgia this year or maybe going to Florida later in the year that he's going to click, you know, click in those big-time games. But someone's got to – it's either got to hit him somehow because if it doesn't, he, we're gonna. You're looking at you're looking at nine and three or eight and four if he doesn't click. And I think that if or even yeah. it maybe I think maybe you have a chance to go maybe eight and five. I don't. I mean, if he if he doesn't take that next step, it's going to be another year like last year, which is that you play well against competition that you're on level with, but you can't play up. Yeah, I mean, I just. You know, we had somebody, we actually ran like a questionnaire, if you will, on our Instagram account. Somebody asked, who's the one guy who has to, who has to have a good game for South Carolina to win? It's Jake Bentley. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina is not going to win the game Saturday if Jake Bentley doesn't have a good game. I, I just, I'm sorry, I can't see, because there's no, in my opinion, there's just no world where South Carolina is going to run for 300 yards on Georgia. They're just going to run up and down the field. And, I mean, for one, that's not South Carolina's MO. That's not what their philosophy, what they want it to be. They trust Jake Bentley. They're going to give him opportunities to throw the football. South Carolina is just not going to win without Jake Bentley playing well, making good decisions, not turning the football over, having, again, that composure, that confidence, really becoming and being a leader of this football team. Again, I think last week he took a really good step in doing that. He was really accurate with the football. Um, you know, again, he took care of it really well, but this is a different challenge. This is a much different challenge. This isn't the scrimmage you played last week against Coastal Carolina. This is the number three ranked team in the country coming to your house. And what, what kind of statement are you going to make? Again, I think this could be a huge game for Jake Bentley's legacy and kind of what South Carolina fans perceive him to be. Again, we talked about before the season even started, Tom, about, you know, what do you want to see against Georgia? You know, we at least need to see Jake Bentley play well, because at least in my opinion, it means, okay, he maybe he has taken that next step and he's a guy who's going to show up and shine in the big moment. But again, it's going to be something really close, really fun and really close to watch on Saturday. Um, kind of wrapping up, just breaking down this game, Tom, you know, this game to me, the more I look at it, this game seems like it has the makings to be very eerily similar to 2014 in the sense that I think it could be a very high-scoring game. Um, how do you see, you know, before we get, I don't, I don't want you to give it all away, Tom, but do you see that kind of that, I, I, for some reason, I just have that weird feeling that I think we might be looking at a shootout on Saturday. Uh, I feel like it's going to be something like 28-24. I don't feel like it's going to be 38-35. I think that South Carolina's defense and Georgia's defense is going to step up at some points, but I'm not feeling the thirty plus like everybody else is saying. I think I think that I think it's going to be more. I think I'll take the over, which is, I think it's fifty two right now. I'll take the yeah, over fifty two. But well, I would go to my, my book. Yeah, go to my book. It use code Spurs. But <laughs> anyway, I would I would take the over there, but barely take the over. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. People yeah, are I, bragging. Yeah, I don't. I, I just I think it's going to be like a like you said like a twenty eight twenty four game twenty seven twenty four. I just 
I don't know. I think it's going to be like a, a big time boxing match where guys go back and forth hitting each other with jabs. I mean, I really do think it's it's going to be in that way. I don't think this is going to be some this is going to be a fun game to watch. I think I think the entertainment value in this game is going to be very, very high for sure. Um, let's move into our key matchups, Tom, just kind of the biggest matchups you're looking to watch on Saturday. I'll let you start with the key matchup. The one big key matchup you're looking to watch. Uh, there's a lot of different ones to talk about, honestly, but I think the biggest one is going to be. Rashad Fenton versus Nicole Hartman. I think that if he can have a big game and shut Nicole Hartman down, which is Jake Fromm's biggest, you know, threat or Georgia's biggest threat in general, but Jake Fromm's, you know, go-to guy, I think that that's going to be a big one there. Obviously one that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but Isaiah not, not a, say his name, not the tight end for Georgia against, you know, against TJ Brunson. I think both of those matchups are going to be big for our defense in slowing down their passing game. Because I think, they're obviously going to succeed in some points to score the ball. I don't think it's going to be any chance of South Carolina shutting out Georgia. But I think if Rashad Fenton can shut down with Nicole Harmon or contain him a lot to a point, and if T.J. Brunson can stop um, Isaiah Nada, I think that will be big for us. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Um, my key matchup, I actually had two here that I want to talk about really quickly. My first one uh, is Buck Bryce Nolan Williams against Jake Fromm, the quarterback from Georgia. I think Bryce Nolan Williams, this is a guy that – you know, if you followed along with us on social media, you've probably seen, I think is poised to have a really, really big time breakout game against Georgia. I think he's just kind of the perfect fit for disrupting what Georgia's going to try to do. Obviously, they're going to try to run the football, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that the Bulldogs are going to try to throw the football a little bit more than we expect. I think they're going to come out, you know, try to establish the pass, almost to open up the run. I think Bryce Nell Williams is the kind of guy that can make absolute hell for a quarterback and a guy that, you know, we saw on Saturday his return. You know, Will Muschamp has preached all offseason how much better the South Carolina defense is with him out there. I think Bryson Al Williams is probably the best, the Gamecocks' best pass rusher overall, and I think he's a guy that could make life really, really tough on Jake Fromm because we talked about how this is going to be a line of scrimmage game. That includes the passing game, in my opinion. Which quarterback is, you know, which quarterback gets less touched, right? Which which quarterback is still on their feet and not on their back the least, right? So um, I, I think Bryson Allen Williams is going to have a big-time impact in this game, have a chance to really make a uh, a big-time impact on the overall outcome. Uh, my other key matchup, I know we said we were doing one, but this is just one I can't, you know, can't not look at. It, it's pretty simple one, wide receiver Debo Samuel against the cornerback DeAndre Baker from the Georgia Bulldogs. I've seen a lot of hype for DeAndre Baker this week. You know, there's a lot of people that think he may be the best cover corner in college football. He may be one of the best defensive backs in college football. There's one guy he didn't cover a season ago, and that's Debo Samuel, because Debo Samuel wasn't healthy for this game. Um, I think that's going to be one of the more fun matchups to watch. I think Debo Samuel is 110%. We saw it last week, what he did. I, I, I think Debo Samuel, this is going to be DeAndre Baker's biggest test yet, in my opinion, covering a guy like that who's very shifty, can get open, Obviously, we know what he can do in space with the ball in his hands. That's going to be a really fun one to watch, and two guys that are probably going to be playing on Sundays as well. And I think, again, another matchup that's going to go a long way to deciding the winner of this football game because, again, it's kind of going back to if Jake Bentley has a big game, well, Debo Samuel probably has a big game too. And if Debo Samuel has a big game, the the odds of South Carolina winning this football game go up exponentially. So watch out for that one. I think will be a really fun matchup to watch as well. Um Biggest key to the game, I'll start with this one, Tom. You know, we talked about it earlier. I talked about it extensively. Keep your composure. Can South Carolina go out there on Saturday and handle the moment? Can they go out there and not treat this in some, you know, the la- I'll tell you, the last thing I want to happen, you know, obviously you want to see South Carolina come out and play with energy and emotion. I don't think that's something. I think this is the kind of game where if 
somebody has to hype you up to play this football game. You just don't have a pulse. I mean, everybody's fired up for this one. Everybody knows it's on the line. You're finally ranked. People are starting to take notice of you. Um, you have a chance to really make a splash in the SEC East and, again, take that two-game lead and sort of, you know, take that next step in the Will Muschamp area. You know, they always say beat the East, win the state. But are you able to come in this game? I want to see a South Carolina team that's going to be able to come into this game and play like they are expecting to win. That This isn't just – this is – you know, they preach that every week is a season for us. We treat each opponent. They're a nameless, faceless opponent. I want to see South Carolina come out and play like that. I want to see South Carolina come out – Play with the same exact intensity, effort, toughness, discipline. You know, the South Carolina coaching staff preaches. I want to see them play with the exact same intensity that they played against Coastal Carolina. I want to see it be consistent this week and all throughout the season. So will South Carolina be able to come out, keep their composure, and get a big-time win at home and, you know, kind of do it, just take care of their business? So to me, that's going to be a huge key to the game. Tom, what's uh, what's overall your biggest key you're looking for? Uh, I think you have to look at – People were obviously concerned about the run game last week, about them getting uh, gassed a couple times against Coastal. But I just think that can South Car- if South Carolina can stop Georgia's run and make Jake Fromm beat you, which we did that last year to a point. Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle really didn't have that big of a game against us. But I don't think that Georgia's going to have the running – they definitely don't have the running backs they did last year. And I definitely don't think that their offensive line is – what everybody's really acting a lot. I think, I think losing Isaiah Wynn and Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb is going to hurt them a lot when people are talking about. But I think that – when you look at South Carolina's offense, when it comes in terms of last year, they couldn't move that ball that well. I think they're going to be more explosive this year. And I think with Georgia losing um, Lorenzo Carter and, and uh, Raquan Smith is going to hurt them a lot more than people are talking about. I just think that if I just think that we have a lot better chance to score more points than they do. And I just think that not and that, that's obviously a stupid thing to say because that's how the game works. You score points, thirteen, you win. <laughs> But <laughs> I just think that they're we're more equipped to beat Georgia this year than we were last year, and it's not even close in comparison. Oh no, absolutely. I mean, I think definitely just with the guys that you have that you didn't have last year, as far as health is concerned. I mean, Rico, Bryce, Allen, Williams, Debo. I, you know, undoubtedly for sure. But no, you make a great point. I mean, again, we talked about it. This is a game that's going to be won on the line of scrimmage, and can South Carolina not even so much just stop, but contain and slow down you know, that Georgia running game. You know, I brought up the 2014 game that happened a couple of years ago. And again, that this game might not be that high scoring. It probably won't be. But South Carolina was at least in some capacity to able to contain Todd Gurley in that game. Gurley didn't have the greatest of games that day. It put, it, you know, it put Georgia's offense in some uncomfortable situations. So can you at least make Georgia strain a little bit on offense as far as it's, you know, applying pressure on them, getting them into third and longs, you know, winning first down, doing the things that you hear football coaches preach consistently. I, I think that's going to be a big key this weekend for sure. All right, Tom, it's time to put you on the spot, make the predictions. South Carolina, Georgia, 330 CBS. We're both going to be there. Primetime game. Who you got winning? Uh, I'm going to go 27-21 South Carolina. Turn to the century. I'm saying the Gamecocks pull out the win. Parker White hits two field goals somehow. We win. Williams Bryce goes crazy. We stop them late, probably on a you know going into the last minute drive. Jake Billing gets in the victory formation, and we're the SEC East champs. Boom! I'm done. See you later. <laughs> Retired from the Spurs up show. Yeah, Two I weeks quit. into the season, I quit now. <laughs> we're, we're, we're we're crowned the champions. We're not even going to play the rest of the season. All right, yeah. good deal. Um, no, I mean, my prediction overall for this game, you know, I, I've been going back and forth on it. And, you know, I told – I tried to tell the people following along with us on social media, so if you're going to give me crap or anybody – any of any of our other writers' crap, don't do it because these games can obviously change week to week. Predictions can change week to week. Um, 
But I, I don't know, man. I mean, I'm going in this game. I understand Georgia's got a ton of talent. They won the national title a year ago. They, they, they've got talent all over the field. I get that. But the, the you know, we you're about to hear this interview with Andrew Stevens coming up, and the, the, the consensus and the feeling I'm getting from Georgia fans is they're, they're pretty confident. I mean, the Georgia fans that I've spoken to and just seen, they, they, are, they are very confident. I mean, I can't blame them for being confident, but they almost don't think this is going to be a close game. And to me, it's laughable to think that Georgia is just going to, to waltz into Williams-Rice Stadium on Saturday and get a win with pretty much no stress. I just – I don't see it playing out that way. I think South Carolina also gets the win. I, and I'm not even that concerned about it. I mean, that's the crazy thing. I don't feel like that's an outlandish pick at all. I think South Carolina – is a lot better than people are giving credit for. Nobody wants to give nobody wants to give a Will Muschamp team credit for anything. That is one thing I have seen throughout this entire process is that because South Carolina is coached by Will Muschamp, nobody is willing to give credit where credit is due. And again, coming into this game on Saturday, nobody's giving credit to the new offensive scheme, how comfortable Jake Bentley has looked in in said scheme. I understand they're going up against a much much better team on Saturday, but. I think that's just going to make such a huge difference for this football team. There are so many teams a year ago that South Carolina could have and would have or should have really beaten if they just had a competent offense, a guy on offense making competent play calls. I expect that to carry over into Saturday. I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's an outlandish pick at all. I think South Carolina wins the game somewhere around 30 to 21. I mean, I just I, I don't think it's a crazy thing to say. I, again, I understand Georgia's a good football team, but they're going to be walking into a buzzsaw on Saturday. And I just think South Carolina, South Carolina gets the win. I, I mean, I'm going to get, going to go on a limb here. So we both got South Carolina beating Georgia on Saturday. Uh, I'm promised that we promised this isn't the uh, the South Carolina Homer podcast, but you know, we called it. You you want you want to hear the facts? You want to hear the correct predictions and not the ones everybody else is going with? We both got South Carolina beating Georgia on Saturday, so you heard it here first. The Spurs yeah, up show. Both can be sure. on freezing cold takes in like a week from now. So <laughs> somebody will snip. Somebody will snip that audio, and it will probably be Andrew Stevens if we yeah. are wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, again, I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up. Um, we'll obviously be coming to you guys live the rest of this week, and also, of course, on game day. It's going to be an absolutely fantastic, fun week either way. I mean, I, I really can't, I can't wait to get back up to Columbia and go to that, go to that football game. Hopefully, it's not quite as hot as it was last week, but you know, we'll just do what you can do. Hope bring yourself an unopened bottle of water in the stadium because <laughs> man, it was a scorcher last week for sure. But uh, yeah, it's pretty hot. but yeah, overall, I mean. It, I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's going to be a classic, and I think South Carolina breaks through and Will Muschamp's third year and gets the dub. So, other than that, you know, Tom, any other any other thoughts, any other uh, words before we you know depart and head into Georgia week? Uh, if my prediction is right and Parker White hits two field goals in one game, I will literally <laughs> run across Williams Bryce naked against Marshall. If that happens. Just run across naked, but wearing a Spurs Up Show T shirt. Yeah, and just at least exactly. get us some pub that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think my last words are simply put: to hell with Georgia. That, that's all I can really say. I almost, think about this week. I almost said, "If you, I actually, if you, Georgia, oh, that yeah. would have not been good." But anyway, no. Yeah, well, we, we'll we'll look past it. But like I said, we're going to get in this interview with our CEO of Armchair Americans and a Georgia alum, Andrew Stevens. Before we do that, the interview is brought to you by our friends over at My Bookie. Again, we're right in the middle of the season. We're going into week two. South Carolina's a nine and a half point underdog. So if you want to go ahead and steal the points, go ahead. Take them straight up. We've got them winning the game. We, you know, you know, our picks are going to be right. 
be sure to go to mybookie.com. I would only recommend a service to my listeners if that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie. You win, they pay. Join now, MyBookie is actually going to match your deposit dollar for dollar. If you use the promo code SPURS, that's S-P-U-R-S, use the promo code SPURS to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code SPURS when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. Remember, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, enjoy this interview with Andrew Stevens. We'll catch you guys next week to recap the South Carolina Gamecocks game against the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, so joining me on the Spurs Up show today, a guy I've been wanting to get on the show for a while. Uh, he's actually the CEO of the Armchair Americans, a Georgia Bulldogs alum. Uh, has also covered the Bulldogs through different outlets, but now gets to call himself my boss um, and is a, just a crock-wearing Georgia Bulldogs fan at this point. So I want to welcome onto the show, again, Armchair American CEO Andrew Stevens. Andrew, again, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, and like I do every single year, and this week especially, I have to say to hell with Georgia. So uh, the only thing I'll start with is uh, crocs-wearing Georgia fan is probably the only four words you ever need to describe me sort of as a whole. But I'm very excited to be on, very excited to talk some Georgia football. Uh, got enough scar tissue built up to where I am preparing for the absolute worst this weekend. I'm sure at some point we will uh, – this is the first time since 2012 I will not be going to Columbia. And I'm sure throughout the course of this show we will d- discuss my horrors in that city. <laughs> that, and that, that is honestly a huge buzzkill because I was planning on uh, – helping you relive some of those horrors this weekend. But nonetheless, uh, we, you know, we'll move into it. You talked about a little bit about the scar tissue as far as being a Georgia Bulldogs fan and really just anyone that's a Georgia sports fan in general. But going back to last season, I'll make you relive it here for just a second. You know, Georgia blows the lead against Bama. Obviously, all off season, there's been a lot of talk. How would Georgia be able to handle that as far as getting over uh, that game? How do you think the program, Kirby Smart, you know, the players, from their perspective, how do you think the program as a whole has been able to get over that game and kind of move move ahead to, you know, tackling 2018? Well, hopefully they have approached it similarly as I have, which has been uh, let's not acknowledge that it ever happened. Let's not ever watch a single replay from that game and sort of block it as far out of our mind as possible. But in all seriousness, I do think that, part of the, the culture change that has come with Kirby in the, the, the replacement of Rick at the end of 2000 and I guess the beginning of 2016 um, has really been the entire, I guess, start to finish. Like, you know, you're going to lose games. You know that there's going to be adversity on the road. But I think one of the biggest things was Rick's teams, especially near the end, didn't really respond to adversity all that well. And so I think a big thing with Kirby is sort of getting in the mindset that, you are better than the team that you're playing. And I do think that up to this point, at least, um, they can be confident in themselves that they've recruited well enough, they've coached well enough, they sort of brought a team and a staff together um, that they feel can can beat anyone in the country. And, I mean, I, I think most people would agree that Georgia is currently ahead of schedule. I don't think they would have anticipated a near national championship in Kirby's second year and, and really being, um, I don't want to say an SEC favorite by any means just because – Unfortunately, Alabama still exists, but uh, definitely a a college football playoff favorite, um, sort of just in in the power ranking terms of things. And so I think the biggest thing has been they're really not focusing on that anymore. You have a lot of turnover, uh, guys like Nick and Sony, uh, Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, Isaiah Wynn. I mean, you had five um, big-time draft picks out of those guys. You had Javon Wims get drafted. And so I think that this sort of next era, this next crop of kids, 
isn't really focusing on that. They're thinking, what can we do from now, I guess, until three, four years when we end up graduating? What, what can our legacy be? Not sort of what was the legacy from the guys that were almost a holdover of the Rick era? Yeah, absolutely. And those new guys kind of started that legacy on Saturday. Georgia crushed Austin PA, obviously, as many expected, 45-0. to zero. Uh, Andrew, you were there. You know, overall, just kind of broad takeaways. What did you take away from the Dogs' win on Saturday? So my my biggest thing, and, and we've been talking about that this a lot, sort of just amongst my friends, that Justin Fields is not the backup quarterback. Now, now that is not when I say that. That does not mean he is the starting quarterback. But down to the old adage of if you have two quarterbacks, that means you have no quarterbacks. This is one of the only few situations I've ever seen it potentially work out correctly. I think you saw Florida in 2006 with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. I'm not sure what year it was, but the uh, the Frank Beamer, Tyrod Taylor, or Tyrod, I don't know what we're calling him now, uh, Tyrod Taylor and Sean Glennon, I think, kind of worked out really well at Virginia Tech. And so um, what you're seeing with Justin Fields is when the second unit comes in, or, or in some of these smaller games when you'll see the second unit come in, Justin Fields is not the quarterback out there. It's going to be Matthew Downing, who is, I guess, technically the third string quarterback. When the first team or the second team offensive line, second team wide receivers, when those guys come in, that is not really who Justin Fields is going to operate with. It was very much uh, starters come out sort of middle of the third quarter when the game really got out of hand. When it, I, I think when Georgia went up, um, they were up 38 nothing at half, and I think the starters played one drive in the second half, and Fields was told with and call it co-starters right now but Fromm will be in there taking probably 60 65 percent of the snaps and Fields is absolutely going to be an essential part of the offense yeah no that's something like you said Andrew we've definitely been talking about I know in our uh, our armchair chat channels a lot in the offseason it's kind of that dynamic there's a lot of different quarterback you know battles if you will competition whatever you want to call it um especially the big three right now, which would be Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. Um, you know, I was going to save the Justin Fields talk for a little bit, you know, farther than the interview, but you, you bring up a great point. Uh, as far as Fields, I want to ask you how much you see him playing throughout the season because it's obvious you made that pretty clear. It's kind of a 1A, 1B type thing right now. But in this game particular on Saturday, how much do you see Justin Fields being a factor? Do you think he's in 20% of the time, 30% of the time, half and half? I mean, how much do you realistically think they're going to put Fields in a hostile environment, you know, obviously on the road, his first big road test. How, how much do you think he sees the field? I think he'll play a good bit. Uh, one thing that I was definitely intrigued by was there, it, it hit a point about halfway through the second quarter that uh, me and the guy I went to the game with, we were talking and kind of said, they're not showing anything right now. Like everything looks to be a check down. Everything looks to be extremely conservative. It was one of those where we know that, Georgia can go out and essentially just run this team over to the tune of 38 to nothing at halftime. And so I, I think a big part of that was Jim Chaney, Georgia's offensive coordinator, was absolutely coaching for next week. I mean, this isn't really a situation where this isn't Appalachian State, this isn't a Troy, this isn't really a sneaky team that can that can come and give you problems if you don't prepare. This is truly a let's show as little as we can run through this team and then move on to the next week. And so that I think is going to be part of Georgia's week two test on the road is going to be, 
what do they bring out or what were they, uh, I guess, hiding in that week one game? Because certainly you saw Justin Fields, but I don't think you saw as much of what he can do. A lot of the he was in, it wasn't really those read options. It wasn't really the, um, I guess, that more of even running. And so what I think, I would imagine that Georgia's offense looks a lot more dynamic in week two, just not only because they have to, but it will be that uh, hopefully and it really hasn't up to this point uh, film of Georgia. Absolutely. Now let's talk a little about the running back position because obviously Georgia seems to always be loaded that position, at least with two, three guys who are really studs. And obviously you talked about the departures of Nick Chubb and Tony Michelle, I think two guys that will kind of live on in infamy as Georgia legends. Um, obviously, there's a ton of talent on the Georgia team as far as running back. DeAndre Swift, uh, the Holyfield kid behind him. You obviously know the depth chart much better than me. Um, but I think replacing Nick Chubb and Tony Michelle, that, that, those are two really, really special players. Talk about how do you feel about these new guys being able to replace that duo? Do you feel like it's going to be a running back by committee situation? Is there a true number one back? And how do you feel – Georgia can fill the shoes of Chubb and Michelle. Yeah, so I, I absolutely do not want to take anything away from what Nick and Sony did at Georgia just because I, I think I'm going to love them more than my own children at some point. But <laughs> what you really saw with the way Georgia's line progressed, so their freshman year was 2014, and obviously their senior year was this past year, um, they really ended up with, two really, really good years of offensive line play being 2014, 2017. And then the last year of Rick and the first year of Kirby, and especially that 2016 season where Nick and Sony were both dealing with injuries and you didn't really know what you, they had to have a grad transfer come in and start at left tackle. Um, my boss who I was working for at the time said it was the worst offensive line he had seen in his 17 years covering Georgia. And so I think the big thing that it is really uh, defining in terms of the running back success is how the offensive line looks. And I know that seems like an extremely simplified take, and it is. But Sam Pittman, Georgia's, off, Georgia's offensive line coach, who Kirby brought over from Arkansas, uh, who was Brett Bielema, part of the, the meat wagon that Brett Bielema had, had organized over in Fayetteville, I think that is really the, the largest factor in determining success with this run game because you see guys like James Cook. He's a five-star running back. Dalvin Cook's little brother um, has just come in. You saw last season Georgia's third running back, DeAndre Swift, run for almost 700 yards. And so while you do have these two, I mean, talents that you're having to replace in Chubb and Michelle, the biggest thing is that this offensive line across the board is like 6'5", 320. And so putting anyone by – I think it was that old adage back in uh, when – when uh, DeMarco Murray ended up leaving, how are the Cowboys going to be able to function sort of running the ball? And Darren McFadden came in and rushed for 1,200 yards. And it wasn't that DeMarco Murray wasn't any good, but it's just one of those things where the offensive line is almost anyone back there and they're going to succeed. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, moving back to the quarterback situation, I want to talk a little bit about Jake Fromm. Uh, you, know, we, you know, he takes over a year ago after Jacob Beeson gets hurt, has a fantastic year. Um, there were some questions about him kind of throwing the football. Could he beat teams just with his arm? Um, and now you put in the Justin Fields factor, and again, we talked about kind of a 1A, 1B situation. How, how do you think the quarterback, we'll say competition, how do you think Jake Fromm handled it overall? And do you think that if Georgia did, you know, 
not even just in the South Carolina game coming up this Saturday, but overall this season. How confident are you that if Georgia does struggle to run the ball for any reason, that Jake Fromm is the the guy that can go out there and, you know, maybe win a game with his arm and win a game on his own? So, I mean, I I think that the national championship was relatively indicative of that because I, I don't think the, the Rose Bowl was a very in, good indication just because the – how porous Oklahoma's run defense was, but in the national championship, you really needed from to step up against an Alabama front that just what Nick wasn't doing anything. Sony was able to do a little bit, but it was mostly in screens out of the backfield. It was mostly sort of bouncing outside of the tackles. And so the Georgia typical, what, what their bread and butter was really the, the between the tackles running game had been limited. And you saw him go out there, lead a drive right before halftime. You saw him throw that 80 yard bomb to me call Hardman. And so I think that Jake Fromm is one of those guys that he just doesn't seem to have a lot that phases him. I mean, in the, in the SEC championship, or the, uh, I'm sorry, well, I guess the SEC championship, Georgia gets down early seven, and, um, Auburn's drop. Fromm kind of took the game over. And at the end of the third quarter threw a big touchdown pass, um, he led a drive with a minute left to send the Oklahoma game into overtime um he had just a a really fluky play that I don't want to say cost Georgia the national championship but just had that weird little helmet interception um that it was either Deshaun Hand or Deron Payne one of those massive Alabama uh, defensive linemen ended up intercepting and so I think Jake Fromm just has that very cliche like ice water in his veins it just doesn't really seem like all that much faces him because I mean there's a guy that's I don't even think 20 years old yet Right. No, absolutely. So moving over to the other side of the ball on defense, you talked about, I think that's where a lot of the big losses came for Georgia a year ago. You talk about Lorenzo Carter. I mean, you talk about Roquan Smith, the guy that some people consider the best player in college football. Um, talk about just kind of from the Georgia side of things, how how much of a concern, because obviously for, with Austin PA, I mean, you, you hold, you hold into a shutout. Like you say, you don't learn a whole lot in a game like that. Um, how much of a concern from the Georgia side of things is the defense coming in this game, especially again, with losing those big-time guys on defense and facing a team like South Carolina that, you know, for all intents and purposes, has weapons all over the field. Yeah, I, I think that Georgia's defense is definitely more unproven, and that was the side of the football that I think people were, I don't want to say concerned about, but just interested to watch. Just because when you have a quarterback coming back, you have the offensive line um, security, if you will. You think the running game will be there. And then being able to add a receiver like Demetrius Robertson in the offseason, Terry Godwin returning, there weren't all that many questions. And so the defensive side of the football, you definitely have um, holdovers. You have J.R. Reed with first team, um, first team all SEC pick by, by the media this year, as was DeAndre Baker. And so maybe the best cover corner um, in football right now, but definitely lost a ton of depth at linebacker. You had Davin Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter, Roquan Smith, three out of your four linebackers gone. Um, Natrez Patrick is still there. And then along the front, losing a guy like John Atkins and Trent Thompson, who were really your days for the last two years um, at defensive tackle. And so I think the big thing that Georgia is going to have to do this weekend is the secondary is going to be good enough to hold, in my opinion. If Georgia gets pressure on the quarterback, I, I don't want to say it'll be light work, but I think that Georgia will be able to go in there and win a game a little bit like what we saw last year, like and maybe a, maybe a 21 to 13, something that is relatively close but seems as if 
um, Georgia can control the entire time. Now, if Georgia isn't able to get pressure on the quarterback and they force um, those DBs into some more of those one-on-one matchups, making them hold in for a couple of seconds, that's where I think uh, – I'm sure you remember the game, but in 2014, the game that got pushed to the night – the, the day game that got pushed into the night – Dylan Thompson looked like an all-SEC quarterback. I mean, they could get absolutely nothing up front, and they just ran sort of seam routes and crossing routes and beat Georgia to death there. And so if Georgia is able to get pressure on the quarterback, I think that is going to be a largely indicative game on uh, on how the day is going to go on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I 100% agree with you. I, mean, I think I think with this game, you know, it's been talked about a lot, but it's pretty simple with this game. Line of scrimmage on both sides or both teams is really going to – whoever wins that battle, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. That's who's probably going to come away victorious in the football game. Obviously, Debo Samuel, you know, is a man that I know – obviously, I know him very well, but I know that has kind of made his way around the SEC. Kirby Smart said in his presser yesterday he thinks he might be one of, if not the most underrated player in college football. Um, he can do so many things as far as offense. He can run it. He can catch it. You know, he he's obviously dynamic in the return game. Uh, how do you think Georgia attacks him this weekend? Again, not only just on offense, but but in special teams. I mean, do you think they kick to him at all? Because that's a big thing. You know, Coastal Carolina obviously avoided him. I, I've been really intrigued to watch how teams are going to, you know, how they're going to treat Debo, especially in special teams. Are they even going to give him a chance to touch the football? What do you think Georgia does to uh, to slow down or limit Debo Samuel this weekend? In terms of the kicking game, I, unless weather becomes a factor, which it doesn't really look like it's going to be, but you know how the past two, two contests have gone after <laughs> driving up to, to watch Georgia play on a Sunday in 2016. I can't guarantee anything. But, I mean, Georgia, Georgia scored 45 points. I mean, they were kicking, um, I guess, seven, eight, if you include. He had a very good Blankenship, I think, is going to be a surprise because him putting the ball three yards deep in the end zone, Debo's probably going to return that. Him putting the ball six yards deep in the end zone, Debo may not return that or get just enough hesitation to where he ends up needing to take a knee. And so I think that um, Rodrigo on those kickoffs is, is going to be – absolutely do not let Debo touch the ball. Put that ball in the third row of the stands if you can. And so um, punts are going to be a little bit different. I think that there's definitely going to be – Georgia's got a new punter this year, Jake Camarda, um, a, a freshman. And so he had, I think, three – he had three boots on Saturday, um, and he had like a 65-yarder. And so I think that one of the biggest things is not only being able to angle that ball near the sidelines, but – making sure he's not going to outkick his coverage, making sure that the return team is there. And then um, just a, another small thing, Georgia had a, a, a major, major issue in the fourth quarter of the game on Saturday because they were ha, had a punt in the fourth quarter. Um, Austin P. returner waved fair catch immediately, and Georgia's running back, one of the hook, um he just ran the guy over. I mean, just complete kick catch interference. They called targeting and <laughs> kicked him out of the game. And so he's now suspended for the first half of that game. And so you just can't do dumb things like that. And hopefully that is one of those first game trying to get in jitters, whatever you want to call it. But um, I think that Debo Samuel is going to cause 
some stuff like that to happen. If he's not returning, he's going to cause in the minds of the, the uh, punt coverage team, all right, I have to make sure that I don't make a mistake here. And when you get that sort of mindset going, I think that oftentimes you can become more prone to mistakes. And so Georgia being able to get out there and, and manage Debo Samuel in the return game, I think is going to be of massive importance. Yeah, no, absolutely. So this is definitely one thing I wanted to bring up with you because we've had some funny conversations about that, this in the past. So, uh, this is a stat I've been kind of – it's just an inter- interesting stat to me. Georgia, you know, obviously traveling to Columbia, they've never beaten a ranked South Carolina team in Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, two-part question, why do you think Columbia specifically has, been, has given Georgia fits? And then why has Columbia given you fits as well when you've, when you've traveled there? Ooh, saddle in. All right. So <laughs> – my answer for, I guess, the first part of that question is um, I'm going to try and draw a little bit of hate here. It's because South Carolina, you go there, not a whole lot to do. You drive like 17 miles. You go up a mountain. You go into a little troll's cave. You pay your troll toll. You walk past about 17 more guards. And then after about 80 hours of walking from campus, you you're, you're upon this uh, cathedral, if you will, and that's williams Bryce Stadium. And so once you get in there, I think you just have people that have been saying, all right, we got nothing else to do. I'm from Baton Rouge, so I can say this. Um, <laughs> we're just going to binge drink. We're going to binge drink until we have absolutely no concept. We have absolutely no concept of reality, what time it is, and people go insane. I've never seen and again, being from Baton Rouge, I think this is saying a lot. I've never seen a more unhinged fan base than South Carolina. You put on <laughs> Sandstorm, people go into a trance, and they wake up four hours later not really know what happened. As an opposing fan, you walk in there, you, you, you have absolutely no idea how to handle it. I, first of all, don't understand why you have to alert the crowd every single time you have a first down. There's like 45 of them in a game. We get it. The screech from from the cock, I don't, I, I simply don't understand it. But to detail the three times I've gone to South Carolina, 2012, um, I drove there at about six in the morning. Um, we couldn't find parking, couldn't find the stadium. We ended up obviously night game getting shelled 35 to seven. Drove home, and there was a nice 24 hour turnaround in thinking that my freshman year at Georgia, the season was over. 2014. Wake up late, miss my ride, so end up in Columbia about 20 minutes before the game starts. Get into the stadium, three-hour rain delay. Marshall Morgan ends up ruining everyone's faith, hopes, and dreams on that Todd Gurley season. Then 2016, um, I'm en route there on a Friday. We get told, oh, the game is on a Sunday. Have to figure out somewhere in between Athens and Columbia to stay. Phone completely dies no service because of the hurricane, end up having to stand on top of the press box where the photographers shoot the day after half the letters had been blown off of the stadium. So I spent a good three and a half hours shitting my pants on a Sunday afternoon in Columbia. And so I decided this year I am not going to make the trip. <laughs> that's great. That, that's just fantastic. I'm glad you've had such a good time coming. Um, <laughs> um, kind of final thing, just wrapping up, Andrew. Um, overall, you know, I'll, I'll say you sound pretty confident. I mean, I think Georgia fans have every reason to sound confident. You just went to the national title a year ago. Obviously, a ton of team on this Georgia team, uh, or a ton of talent on this Georgia team, I should say. But 
What is your overall gauge of the UGA fan base? Do you think most people think this is just going to be an easy win for the dogs, or do you think there's some, there's some genuine concern over this game? I think there are enough horror stories that have occurred over the past, I'd say, 10 years to where no one is 100% confident, but this is also probably the most confident that I've seen Georgia in going into Columbia since that 2014 game. And obviously I know there's only been one since then, but I would say that this has probably been Georgia's most confident playing a South Carolina team since 2014 after they came off of the, the big week one Clemson win and then went into Columbia and lost. And so um, definitely there's reason for optimism, but I, would, I, I think most South Carolina fans would be surprised in terms of what they end up seeing here. And I would, I think the the largest gauge of confidence is if you told Georgia fans, you can go into South Carolina and get a one point win, probably about 90% of them would take it just because they know that wins in Columbia are by no means guaranteed. And so if you can guarantee them a one point victory, even in an ugly game, won't instill the most confidence, but again, it's, it's better than what we've seen in years past. And so maybe Kirby's bringing something different, but at this point, I think people just want to get into Columbia and get out alive. Absolutely. So final thing, I'll put you on the spot here. I'm uh, going against my better judgment asking you this, but score prediction, kind of your overall prediction for the game. Oh, God. Oof. All right. Let's <laughs> see. I haven't thought about this very much. Bring on some more but, of the hate. Bring on some more of the hate. Let's, all right. Just, just fueling all the South Carolina doubters here just because, <laughs> I mean, why, why would anyone doubt a Will Muschamp team? I can't imagine. Um, but I'm going to say <laughs> – I'm going to say Georgia 31, South Carolina. I'm going to go. I'm going to go 20. I'm going to go dogs. Dogs 31, South Carolina 20. I think it's a pretty close game, and Georgia sort of salts it away with a touchdown about halfway through the fourth. That's what I'm. I'm going with, and I'm sure that I will be patently wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I just wanted to put you on the spot there, just so I could Georgia Nation can blame you as a. For jinxing the dogs on Saturday, so mission accomplished. I'm gonna need to get <laughs> I'm gonna need to get that audio file of my prediction out of your hands as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, perfect. Hey, Andrew, we appreciate you coming on again. Armchair American CEO, UGA alum. Obviously, you guys all know where to find Andrew Armchair Americans. Please be sure to go check us out. Um, just wrapping everything up, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Please be sure to check out all of our latest episodes, the Spurs Up Show on iTunes, Stitcher. You guys know where to find us on social media as well, Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram as well. Uh, and, of course, be sure to go check out armchairallamericans.com. So, for Andrew Stevens and Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next week to recap everything. Are you working? Georgia Bulldogs. Okay. Out you want to do when you grow up.